This message is part of the teaching provided by House on the Rock Fellowship, a church caring for the Miami Valley region. Before you listen, be sure to access the notes in the download section of the message page. Have a Bible ready. Thank you for being our guest. I'm going to read a passage from Deuteronomy, chapter 32. This is my prayer for us this morning. So maybe we could just receive it as a prayer. It says this, Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak, and let the earth hear the words of my mouth. May my teaching drop as the rain, and my speech distill as the dew, like gentle rain upon the tender grass, and like showers upon the herbs. For I will proclaim the name of the Lord, and ascribe greatness to our God. Seems like everyone's talking about the weather, right? The lovely Ohio weather. It's a blessing. It's one of my favorite parts of living in Western Ohio. It's the weather. That's a lie. That's not true at all. <laughs> February, we had amazing rain, torrential rain. That was terrible. And now in March, we get to have snow because that's the sequence in Ohio. That's, that, that's, we were at a soccer game yesterday and Jackson was making snowballs. He wasn't playing. That would have been bad. But yeah, his brother was playing a game and he was making snowballs because this is Ohio. It could be 70 degrees one day, 20 degrees the next. It can be 70 degrees in the morning and 20 degrees in the afternoon. It's the weather. And we're used to that. I remember my father speaking all the time of March weather. He would say, it's going to come in like a lion and go out like a... Yeah, or, right, oh, it's coming in like a lamb, but wait, it's going to go out like a... Yeah, because it's March, and that's just where we live, and we choose it. But there is another lion and lamb, isn't there? There is someone else who's described as lion and lamb. And maybe this morning, he might do something, and the weather shift today. Not out there. Could it shift in here? Is that possible? Is it possible? Last week, I took us to a passage in Hosea chapter 10, verses 1 through 3. If you want to hear that message, you can go to whoishouseontherock.com and you can pick up and listen to those. You can watch them. But I asked us to think about our hearts we're in a season as we approach Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday when we want to think about our hearts. A season of repentance. A season of honesty. I ask it, are our hearts a hard heart? Are they false hearts? How do we respond to God's grace? How do we communicate when chaos surrounds us? It was an introduction to ask us to look on the inside. Would you do that this morning? Would you look on the inside? Would you slow down just for a moment? Let your imagination go in. What would the Spirit of God show you? Is it, is it, is it a heart that's bursting with good things? Or is it overgrown with briars? Do you see the difference? Is your heart good for planting? 
It's a ready soil. Or is it hard like concrete? Is it full of gentleness and kindness? Or is it sharp with thorns? Would the Spirit of God show us our hearts this morning? To help us do that, I want you to go back to Hosea chapter 10. That's where we started last week. But we're going to be here in verse 12. Nikki's going to have some verses up on the screen that you can follow along. Love it if you brought a Bible. Um, we're kind of big on the Bible here. If you don't have one, they're located in the seats in front of you. Heads up, print is really, really small. Okay? Okay? Really, but yeah, find Hosea chapter 10. I'm going to read verses 12 and 13. Verses 12 and 13. Follow along, whether you're up on the screen or, or whether you're looking at one in your lap or even maybe on your device. Okay. Let me read. Hosea chapter 10, 12 and 13. Verse 12 says this. Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap steadfast love. Break up your fallow ground. For it's time to seek the Lord. That he may come and rain righteousness upon you. You have plowed iniquity. You have reaped justice. You have eaten the fruit of lies because you trusted in your own way in the multitude of your warriors. Let me read that first verse one more time. Okay? Just so we kind of see the lay of the land. Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap steadfast love. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord, that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. To help us look at our hearts, we're just going to unpack those terms. Just so, and I know, you guys, we get, we're Western Ohio, we get planting. I just want to make sure all cookies are on the bottom shelf. Who doesn't like cookies on the bottom shelf, Right? Absolutely. That's my problem. That's why I'm fat. Cookies are on the bottom shelf. Truth be told, if we're on the top shelf, I'd still get them. Okay, so sow for yourself righteous. What does that mean? Sow for yourself. To sow, I'm going to cast seed for my own benefit. I'm casting seed for my own benefit. Okay, that means I'm going to make a decision to go in that direction because I want that destination. That makes sense, doesn't it? I'm going to make this decision to go in that direction because I want that destination. We said it last week. We reap what we sow. We reap what we sow. I want that destination. I want that harvest in my life, whatever it might be. So I'm making a decision that will take me that way. Example, I want an apple harvest. I want to go to the place where the apple harvest is. So what do I do? I sow apple seeds. I want carrots. I want a carrot harvest. So what am I going to do? I'm going to plant carrots. We get this. It all makes complete sense, right? But you can even unpack that in a little bit more intimate aspects of your life. I want a relational harvest. I want, I want a harvest of wonderful, good relationships. So I'm going to sow the things that take me in that direction. I'm going to sow gentleness. I'm going to sow kindness, patience. You reap what you sow. 
I'm going to sow for myself what? Sow for yourselves, what's the word? Righteousness. Right, what does that mean? Because that's a real big churchy word. And depending on the tradition that you come from, it comes with a lot of heat. Righteousness means three things, and all three things have to be present. Righteousness is first moral integrity. That means the right heart. Righteousness means right heart. It's faithful. It's a faithful heart. It's a loyal heart. Okay? There's things that my heart beats for. My heart beats for the good. That's righteousness. But it's also things like compassion. It's right hands. It's a life that does the right things. It does the right things. It acts in a loving, compassionate way. That's righteousness. To see a righteous person, see someone who does the right thing. Thirdly, to see a righteous person is to see someone who thinks the right thing. A right mind. A right mind. You need all of them together. You can't pick one and leave the others. It's a right heart. It's a right hand. It's a right head. And it's another way of saying it's justice, the pursuit of justice. Justice means the right relationship with God, the right relationship one with another. That's a state of justice. How do you get justice? People doing the right thing. People doing the right thing. Example would be someone like Joseph. Joseph, Jesus' stepfather in the New Testament. And Joseph was a righteous man, it says. That's why he feels this tension. He finds out that his wife, pretty much wife, is pregnant when she shouldn't be pregnant. And what does Joseph want to do? He wants to do the right thing. He thinks and feels the right thing. And so he wants to respect her, but still honor his relationship with God. Righteousness. So Righteousness. Why is this important? Because when the prophet Hosea is talking, when he is speaking to Israel, Israel is doing the opposite of righteousness. God, in essence, comes and says, I have a beef with you. We have a problem. The prophet says this in chapter 4, verse 1. I'll just read it to you. You can write it down. There's a little block in your notes if you want to look this up later. Hosea 4, verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord. O children of Israel, for the Lord has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. We have a problem, God says. This is the problem. There is no faithfulness. There is no steadfast love. No knowledge of God in the land. You are not righteous people. You're not doing righteous things. And if I sow unrighteousness, I will reap unrighteousness. If that's what I sow, that will be what I reap. We as a church family have been reading through the Bible and we made it into the book of Proverbs. We just left Job behind. Many of you are excited about that. Um, you're very thankful that you got to leave Job behind. You're like, man, this is a real downer. Yeah, and it was, but you did it. Well done. And some of you are complete liars. That's okay. But you, we just jump back in. We're, getting, we're hitting Proverbs now. I love the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is awesome. Proverbs, cookies, bottom shelf. Cookies, bottom shelf. Because what's Proverbs all about? If I go down this path, it takes me there. If I go down that path, it takes me there. Here's the way of life. There's the way of death. You want life? Go this way. Go this way. And it says this in Proverbs. This is Proverbs eleven eighteen. The wicked earns deceptive wages, but one who sows righteousness gets a sure 
reward. That's good. That's good. And so sow for your self-righteousness. And then what? Reap steadfast love. Reap steadfast love. The harvest is love. It's God-like love. A lot of ways of understanding love. But this is, this is steadfast, devoted, faithful love. A harvest that's saturated with the love of God. How many want that? That's good, right? That's good stuff. And some of your hands went higher than others. That's okay. That's okay. Reaping steadfast love. Notice this. This is a promise. Okay, for those of you who are grammar geeks, okay, this is written in such a way that he promised, okay, if you do this, this is what happens. If you sow for yourself righteousness, you will reap steadfast love. This is this. Why? Because we reap what we sow. We reap what we sow. It's a promise. It might take time. It's a promise. It might call for faithfulness, but it's a promise. But also notice this. You always reap more than you sow. And we should give thanks for that. In my petty efforts to be faithful to God, the harvest is an abundance of his love washed upon me because you always reap more than you sow. But if you don't like what you're reaping, ah, maybe it's time to ask what you're sowing. If you don't like what you're reaping, maybe it's time to ask what you're sowing. So imagine for yourself a great harvest. Let your mind go to that place. Imagine the fields. Imagine the way the weather feels. Imagine the sounds as you walk through that field. Isn't that what you want for your heart? Isn't that what you want? for the hearts of those around you. Yeah, we want a great harvest. Let's go through the passage again. Let's continue. All right, so righteousness, we understand that. A reap, steadfast love. Yep, good stuff, good stuff. Let's keep going. Break up your fallow ground. All right, let's understand breaking up fallow ground. What's fallow ground? Fallow ground is hard ground. It's concrete ground, okay? What's fallow ground look like? Not great harvest ground. Fallow ground. It's hard. It's cracked. It's dried out. But you know what else it is? And good farmers know this. It's ready ground. It's rested ground. It might not be the harvest ground, but it sure can be. It can become that. Breaking up the fallow ground means to turn it over. You're going to turn over the old to make space for something new. You're going to clear out the rocks. You're clearing out the weeds. You're putting your back into it and you're turning this thing over to make room for righteousness. You have to turn the ground over. 
We got sow, we have reap, we have break up, good, break up. And then the last thing he says is what? That he may reign. That God may reign. Okay, and this is, I thought, you know, we could have a fun little play on words because there's rain and then there's rain. But we're just, let's just stick with R-A-I-N, right? Not rain the king, but rain water. It's exactly what you think it is, that God would reign. Okay, universal symbol for Rain. Mo walked in and she did this. I knew exactly what she meant. What are we praying for this morning, Mo? We're praying that it what? Praying that it rains. That's right. That it rains. He will bring the rain. He would bring heaven down to earth. A season of raining. So here's the question. Ready? Is that the right order? We got sowing, reaping, turning over the ground, raining. Is that the right order? First I sow, then I reap, then I turn over the ground, and then it rains. Is that the right order? I don't think it is. That's not to say that he was giving us the right order. But perhaps it might mean a little bit. That if you get the order wrong, well, ask any good farmer. Perhaps the struggles that we're having in life, in our spiritual walk, is because we don't understand what the right order is. Or know what to do when the right season comes. So what do we need to understand? Well, you need to understand the weather in Israel. Guess what? It's not like Ohio. <laughs> oh, God bless Israel. <laughs> what is the weather cycle in Israel? Because if you want to understand this, you have to understand weather in Israel. You have to. Okay, in Israel, there's two seasons. Dry season, rainy season. That's it. And they go in order. From late April through all the way to late September is the dry season. That's what it's called. And guess what it doesn't do? It doesn't rain. Not a bit. This is the Middle East. It's hot. And so for month after month, for most of the year, it does not rain at all. So what happens to the soil? What happens to that hard heart? It just gets more hard and more packed and more dried out and more cracked. The dry season. And then somewhere towards the end of September into October, the rain begins to fall. They actually have a name for it. Yoreh, Y-O-R-E-H. It means the early rain. And it's not a sprinkle here or a sprinkle there. It is a full rain that covers the whole nation. And it's a really big deal because the rains have finally come. We've been waiting for and longing for the rain. And dude, things are getting rough and the cisterns are getting low and the water's not flowing as much like it used to flow. We need the rain. And so day in and day out through that dry season, they pray for rain until that God-given moment where the rain actually begins to fall and it gives way to sowing and it gives way to planting and it gives way to pruning 
and it gives way to a harvest. And that culminates in what they call the latter rain, which is a harder rain because it needs to go even deeper into the soil to help those plants become everything that they're supposed to be in March and April. Let me read for you uh, one person's experience from Israel when that early rain comes and what her response was. This is from a couple years ago when it began to rain in October after months of no rain. The difference between rain in Israel and rain outside the country is equivalent to the difference between heaven and earth. Growing up in America, I always viewed rain as an unmitigated nuisance. Boots, hats, cold, umbrellas, socks that always end up getting soaking wet. I hate wet socks, right? I mean, you know, first world problems, but I hate wet socks. Who likes the rain? What was worse? It always was the rain that washed away the snow that we as children had patiently waited every year for. By contrast, in Israel, we look at every drop of rain as a blessing. Israel is a Middle Eastern country that is always thirsty for rain, which comes only in the aptly named rainy season, those winter months of October through March. The rain, first rain, is always a celebration for virtually everyone. In traditional Jewish prayer, a supplication for rain comes every year and right at the beginning of the rainy season because Israel is an agriculture that depends on rain. This year's first rain was a case in point. Just a few days ago, only a short while after that special prayer for rain that religiously observant Jews say three times a day, the skies opened up. The rain came pouring down for a precious few minutes. Children were hopping and skipping in the streets. And that raw, pungent smell of drenched earth came wafting up from all around. When there is rain, there's bounty. There's blessing. Only in Israel did I come to understand this. So here, in my so if my socks get wet when I walk home in the rain... I don't mind anymore. Why does this matter? Because you can't plant until it rains. We don't get that. But there, after months of hot and dry and absence, that faithful farmer, after hitting his knees, steps out and he looks at that Mediterranean sky and he's looking for those clouds because he can't plant until that rain comes because he can't turn that ground until that rain comes. You could scatter all you want and the wind is going to take it away. So what is the order? If we care about our hearts this morning, what is the order? Well, first, it has to rain. And then we can break up the soil. And then you sow. And then you reap. So what does this mean for my heart? 
Because that's what we're talking about. What does this mean for my heart? Because that's what Hosea wants me to get to. Okay. The word for rain is related to the word for teaching in the Bible. They come from the same root. From the same root, these two things grow. The word that we get for rain and the word that we get for teaching. So when we're praying that it rains, we're asking God, would your word penetrate my heart? Would your word shoot like an arrow into my hard being that has gotten hard by time, that has gotten hardened by sin, that's gotten hardened by experience? So what happens in our spiritual life is by God's good grace, something happens in our soul. Something gets our attention. It's a card from a friend. It's a song on the radio. It's a prayer in life group. It's a message you hear on Sunday morning. And it does something where something hadn't happened before. Where something something starts to, to shift. Something starts to move and you feel it. And where do you feel it? You feel it in this space. It's a sleepless night. Or just this idea keeps spinning. And this truth keeps grabbing a hold of. Like that gentle first rain in Palestine that comes upon the hard soil. And it starts to work in and starts to open up. It's a lingering conversation. But it's something that you feel in here. That his grace is coming upon your heart. And he's saying, it's time for us to get to work. It's time to do something. Last week, I said, one of the measures of what our heart is and where our heart's at is its response to the grace of God. When God's grace draws near, do I do this? Uh-uh. Don't you touch that. That's, that's mine. I like it down below the surface where it's safe. And in fact, I have a nice hard crust over top of that because nothing's getting into there. But that gentle rain has a way, doesn't it, farmers, of doing what only gentle rain can do. And the farmer knows if we give that enough time, it will make space to open things up. Would you for a moment humor me? We've been doing that for 30 minutes. We're kind of hoping you're done, actually. Would you maybe just either put your hand over your heart or maybe just open up your hands, but assume a posture that doesn't say this, okay? Look at me, not this, not this. I, I had a, a, a loving person come up to me after the message say, Paul, just because someone does that does not mean they're being difficult. Maybe they're just cold. <laughs> That's true. And that person knows the difference. 
But just for this moment, even if you are cold, humor me. And maybe we could go from here just to here. Okay? Okay. I'm going to read some passages. And would you just let those words wash over your heart this morning? Shower, O heavens, from above. Let the clouds rain down righteousness. Let the earth open that salvation and righteousness may bear fruit. Let the earth cause them both to sprout. I, the Lord, have created it. Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak. Let the earth hear the words of my mouth, and may my teaching drop as the rain, my speech distill as the dew, like gentle rain upon the tender grass, and like showers upon the herbs. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty. It shall accomplish that for which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing. All the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. And it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign. That shall not be cut off. With me for a second. I've been following Jesus poorly for a long time. That's just, if you're following Jesus, you just, you don't do it very well, right? That's just the fate of but I've read the Bible a lot for a long time. And a couple weeks ago, he changed something. Have you ever had that before? You followed Jesus for a long time, and he's like, well, we need to talk about something. Look at this. Yeah. Why do we have this posture that when the grace of God draws near, we get real embarrassed about it. Like, God forbid, he reigns on my hard heart. Oh, what shall I do? Why is repentance a bad thing? Why do we view it that way? Why do we see humility as an act of weakness? Why do we see the intimacy of God drawing near and the ground opening up to it as something that's wrong 
when that's his good purpose all along? What's the right response, I ask you this morning, to the rain? What's the right response to the rain? Can I make a few suggestions? And this might be something that you want to write down, okay? Or at least pretend that you're writing down so my pride feels good. Okay? Just, you, you can keep going on your Walmart list. That's fine. Just put your head down and I'll think you're writing. Okay? How should the, the soil respond to the rain? One, let's realize. Let's first, let's just start to, let's realize that the Spirit of God has come near. Could we do that? Let's realize that it's God drawing near to me. Let that rock you for a second. That in his greatness, in his majesty, in his holiness, he has, in his love, decided in a moment of my finite life to draw near to me. That he would look upon me in my brokenness. That he would answer prayers. That he would come close. What if we started by just realizing that the Spirit of God is drawing near? The one who loves, the one who is good, the one who created. What if we started there? Let's first realize. Second, let's recognize my own resistance. Recognize your own resistance. Because before that early rain falls, what's that ground like? Right? What's that ground want to do to the rain? Uh-uh. 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 No, 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 no. Mm-mm. No. Mm-mm. Something's in my eye. Nope. Not going to do it. We want to resist the rain, don't we? Because it's hard soil. It's rocky soil. It's weeded soil. It's compact concrete soil. Let's recognize that there is something in my being that resists what God wants to do. It likes the stones where they are. It's got comfortable with the weeds where they are. It likes the hard surface. Keeps things safe underneath. But sometimes, sometimes the body will start to rain. Because that's what your heart needs. Sometimes your body will start to rain. Just to let you know, hey, that's really what we need. Let's recognize our resistance. Three, because I'm Baptist sometimes. 
Let's reflect on the harvest. Let's reflect on what the harvest might be. What does Jesus want to do in your life? What might be if that water got in and those seeds got sown? What might that produce in you? What could Jesus grow in your marriage? What could Jesus grow in your grandkids? What could Jesus grow in your neighborhood? What could Jesus grow where you work? What could Jesus grow where you pray? What might happen? What might the harvest be if I made that decision to go in that direction? What might that destination be? What good crop might God bring in? If I keep that image there of what might happen, then you know what I'm ready to do? I'm ready to receive that grace. My hands are going to go from this to this. My heart's going to go from this to this. God, I I want that. Okay, if we want to reap that, we need to sow this. If we're going to reap that, we got to uproot that. If we're going to reap that, then we have to dig that out. And so when the rain falls and my body starts to leak a little bit and my heart starts to move around a little bit, instead of like, no, 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 no. I'm like, okay, I don't know where this is going, but by God's good grace, we're going to go there. And this is going to change my grandkids. This is going to change my great, great grandkids. The kingdom is going to do something amazing because I said yes at the right time. Because now is the time, the prophet said. For now is the season, the prophet said. I'm going to receive it. And instead of responding with shame, I'm going to respond like they do in Israel. It's joy. It's joy. It's joy because the ground was hard and we we couldn't grow anything. But God in his good grace has heard our prayers and it has rained now and we feel the rain. We feel the good rain. It becomes thankfulness. It's not, um, God, thank you. God, thank you. You're doing something. God, thank you. It's going to propel me to do something. Okay, God, are you drawing my attention to some source of pride in my life? Is there some addiction that you're, you're, we're going to get rid of now? God, is there, is there something of shame that you're going to remove? Is there some trauma that you're going to uproot? God, what is this thing that you want to dig out that you're ready to remove? And so the rain has come to make my heart ready. And then I would suggest in these times and in these moments where God's grace draws near, you share it with somebody. God's doing something in my life. Hey, God has shown me something. God has opened my eyes to. Because you know what that starts to do in somebody else's life? The rain starts to spread, doesn't it? The rain doesn't, it starts to spread, doesn't it? Yeah. What if there's no rain? if there's no rain because a lot of time in Israel they pray for rain and there's no rain what if it's a hard season what if it's a hot desert season a wilderness desert season how then should we respond because you can't sow 
until you break up the ground. And you can't break up the ground until what? It rains. There's someone in the Bible that I love very dearly. There's a few, but I have a favorite. Um, and he's kind of famous for praying for rain. You guys know, you guys know who he was, what his name was? Yeah, there's my churchy people. That's right. You know the story. It's an awesome story. Why? Because they ain't been raining for like three years. For three years, there's no rain. In fact, he's the guy that ain't going to rain. And then it doesn't rain for three years. Okay? It's bad enough. There's six months of no rain. Can you try three years in Israel with no rain? People are dying. There's no crops. There's no livestock. But Elijah gets a word from the Lord, it's time for it to rain. So Elijah says, hey, let's all get together because it's time for it to rain. So we're going to go up to the mountain and it's time for it to rain. And so we're going to start dealing with all the falsehoods. We're going to start dealing with all the pagans. We're going to start dealing with all the idols. We're going to confront the false king who's on top of this mountain. And he gets up there and he starts slaughtering everybody. And then he says, it's, it's, now we're going to pray. And says he hits his knees. It's a beautiful thing. Because it doesn't give us the words that he spoke. It gives us the posture that he took. Okay? I kind of wanted to know what the magic prayer was. No, it doesn't give us the magic prayer. It gives us the posture. You know what the posture was? It says he put his head between his knees. I've tried that. I can't do it. So I got, I can't, this, it, it, not yet. I'll keep trying. That's how I know I've lost enough weight. All right, now you can pray like Elijah. Sweet. Okay, so he, it's the term for when a woman goes into labor. It means to travail. He assumes that posture. He puts his head between his knees. He's going to birth something through prayer. He's going to burst life into what is dead. And so here he is. He's on top of the mountain. All of Israel's around him. They're overwhelmed. Mediterranean Sea's out there. He's up on this peak. He says to the servant, all right, you go look. I'm praying for rain. Servant's good servant, right? I'm not, or you don't argue with Elijah. You just don't do it. He goes and he looks. It's rain in three years. It's going to be rain now. No, no rain. He walks over. Elijah's down here, man. He's down here. Not that he's praying, but he's in that posture because he knows. He's like, there's no rain. Elijah's like, go look again. Yeah, there's, there's no rain, Elijah. He comes back down, comes over to his master. Yeah, Elijah, there, there's no rain. He's like, go look again. Servant comes back over. Six times, seven times, okay? Seven times. He's gone back and forth. He says, all right, you go and you go look. You go look. I prayed for rain. Seven times that servant comes up the mountain. He's like, ain't going to be no rain. Ain't going to be no rain. There ain't going to be. Well, I'll be no That's a rain cloud. That's a big rain cloud. What does that servant feel in that moment? Does he feel shame? Is he embarrassed? Is he grief stricken? Or is he overjoyed with celebration that God, after three years, has answered, his, answered prayer and he runs over to the prophet and says, he's like, I know, because I prayed for rain and rain's coming. And so how do you think Elijah responds? He walks up to that heathen, stupid king and says, it's raining now. And that king, he starts heading back to his stronghold. And Elijah, through prayer, brings rain upon the people of God. So what do you do if it's not raining? 
What do we do? We pray. We pray. I don't know how long that dry season is. I don't know what that means for you. Maybe it's a month, maybe it's weeks, maybe it's years. But let's pray that God brings the rain. Join me, join others. Let's pray that, because he, it's not early rain, it's not God rain unless it covers. It covers. And I am thankful that I see in some of you the rains of God falling. I see, I see beautiful things being sown. I see amazing things being harvested in an individual here, in an individual here, in an individual here. But you have to understand something. That's, I want more. I want more. We want more. We want to see that cover our fellowship. We want to see that cover the fellowships that are around us, the other churches in the area that love Jesus. We want to see it cover the valley. We want to see it cover our state. We want to see it cover our nation. His kingdom come and his will be done on as it is in heaven. So we pray. And second, we're patient. We're patient. James says this. James 5, 7, be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. Thank you for sharing your time with us, and we'd love for the journey to continue. If you're a guest, would you consider reaching out to us? We would love to come alongside and encourage you in any way that we can. If you're someone who's joined us today and you are desperately reaching to find hope wherever you can, again, Jesus came that we would find hope. You can find hope today. If you want to send us a short note, a member of our hope team would reach out quickly, promptly to come alongside and see what we can do to encourage you in whatever storm you might find yourself in. That's why Jesus came. That's why we're here. Jesus said there's two ways to live your life. 